I had been eagerly awaiting Stray for many years, right from the moment the first piece of footage was shown on Twitter. As an avid cat fan, with several fully stamped loyalty cards at my nearby cat cafe, the prospect of meandering through a beautifully realised world as a cat was instantly appealing to me, regardless of what the actual game might be. When the game was officially announced in 2020, my excitement was reignited once again, although it wasn't long before that turned to trepidation. When further trailers were revealed, I began to worry that it was beginning to look a little less like a cat simulator and more like an actual video game. You may have picked up from the fact that this podcast focuses on minor interactions in games that I'm not hugely fussed about actually playing the darn things. I love gaming. I wouldn't have turned it into a career if I didn't, but the greatest joy for me is finding ways that games push the definition of video game. Not every game needs to have a gun, though I greatly enjoy those that do. Not every platformer needs puzzle elements, though when done right, these games are often excellent. What interests me is a game being bold enough to do something that looks like a game, feels like a game, but instead of filling itself with so-called gameplay, instead relishes the opportunity to give players something new and unexpected to do. Stray, when the gameplay trailers began to roll in, started to look like it was offering simply too much gameplay. There was a gun, of sorts. There were puzzles in the platforming. Where once I had dreamed of idly roaming the streets of a desolated sci-fi city, I was instead faced with the fear that I might actually have to do things and play a video game. And to an extent, I was right. There's a narrative that gently pushes you forward in Stray, and clearly marks locations where the puzzle and platformer genres combine to create a challenge you must overcome. There's combat, of sorts, using a gun, of sorts. There's even stealth, the most aggravating gameplay of all when not properly implemented. But in between these moments, there are long stretches of pure exploration, where the walled city opens itself up for you to wander about being a little bastard of a cat and seeing the world through its eyes. Stray isn't a big game. My final time with an extremely leisurely playthrough was around four and a half hours. But while you can run from point A to point B in no time at all, there are little nooks and crannies off to the side waiting for you to walk around. It also has a lot of verticality, allowing you to jump up and around, finding new routes to the same locations, and uncover smaller secrets along the way. There are side quests that you can do while exploring, but these feel unobtrusive to the actual joy of the game's movement and exploration. It's just some stuff you can do if you want to. And there are tons of joy mechanics wherever you look. The world is filled to the brim with minor interactions that seem completely pointless when you do them, from clawing at furniture to knocking items off walls. It even has a dedicated button for meowing, which works within certain cutscenes, so that even the most tender of moments can be undercut by you being a noisy little prick, just like a real cat. But Stray is playing a trick on you. These aren't joy mechanics at all. If you've yet to play the game, you may want to go finish it yourself, or watch some streams or let's plays before you continue with this podcast episode. Episode. If you don't mind some minor spoilers, however, I'll see you after the musical interlude. Still here? Okay. Stray is an exceptionally clever game, and in a very subtle way. As you begin your journey, you're introduced to what at first appear to be joy mechanics. The initial one that you find is the ability to knock paint cans off a wall and to watch them clatter down below. There are six or seven of these in a line, and you'll probably find yourself knocking them all down, because being a little bastard cat is hilarious every single time. And then immediately after this, you'll use your newfound knowledge of knocking paint cans over to solve a puzzle. The game is clearly directing you to go through a window, but it's shut. However, above the window is a paint can, which you can climb up to and interact with. The seed already planted, you immediately know what to do. Be a bastard, 
and smash the window with a paint can. Shortly after this moment, you'll find yourself in an abandoned apartment covered in rugs, which you can claw at. Clawing requires you to start the interaction and then alternate button presses to make your cat's claws alternately wreck the rug. Further clawing interactions are offered as the game progresses. Before long, you'll be scratching up walls and clawing up sofas. And again, you're soon given an objective that can only be completed by using your newfound wrecking skills. You need to get someone to open a door for you, but meowing for attention doesn't work. Clawing at the door, however, does. And once inside, you can claw at some curtains to open up a new entryway, allowing you easy access in and out of the location for future quests, should you need it. Stray does this constantly. Even in long stretches of the game where you have free reign to explore a safe environment, the game places tons of scratchable locations and interactable items that you can knock around as you please. There is never a chapter where you can't sharpen your claws. The developers leave constant small reminders of these interactions wherever you go, so you never forget these core mechanics. But the interactions themselves are pointless and silly, so you're not forced to remember the mechanics through rote repetition of the same kinds of puzzles again and again. Better yet, these natural tutorials are intermingled with true joy mechanics, such as being able to flip through TV channels or take a nap. In a way, it's a shame that the developers chose to attach trophies and achievements to these moments. They would have worked perfectly well as minor interactions with no reward of any kind. But when some of these interactions are slightly out of the way, it makes sense to encourage players to seek them out and find the most subtle moments of joy in this world. And the true joy is that, until you notice it the first time, it's never obvious what the game's doing with these joy mechanics. Solving a puzzle feels as joyful as mucking around in the world, because they use the same verbs. The acts of claw and push are used whether you're being a prick or moving the story forward. There's no dissonance there, and it feels perfectly natural at every turn. For me, the first time I made the connection was during the final puzzle of the game, where a character explicitly tells you to do what you do best. Destroy things. So can we call these interactions joy mechanics, if they're actually mini-tutorials? I'm not sure. There is, ultimately, an end goal with everything you do in Stray. Even meowing, which is largely pointless, has some uses, particularly in sections that require drawing enemies away from a location. The truly pointless interactions earn you trophies or achievements. Nothing in Stray is wasted which is just smart game design. Recontextualizing these seemingly throwaway moments is incredibly clever, and it's something that I'm sure designers and developers will be looking at for the future in their own games. Joy mechanics don't have to be completely pointless. Sometimes, as Stray proves, they can serve the rest of the game in subtle ways. Thanks for listening. This was a slightly different episode of Joy Mechanic than usual, being as it focuses on a whole game instead of just one mechanic, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. Joy Mechanic is written, recorded, edited, and published by me, Rick Cowley. You can find all the other episodes on whichever podcast platform you regularly use, or by going to anchor.fm slash joymechanic. I will be back eventually, I promise, with an episode on the Senran Kagura series. See you then.